Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The Crisis Next Door, a weekly report on the biggest conflicts around the world with host Jason Brooks. Thanks for listening to The Crisis Next Door. I'm Jason Brooks. It's been nearly a decade since the Arab Spring exploded, eventually leading to four longtime leaders being removed from power. Algeria saw some protests at the time, but nothing significant enough to push Abdelaziz Bouteflika from office. Fast forward to the present, and Bouteflika's future is dicey, as much bigger protests erupt across the North African country. Joining the crisis next door to examine the situation is retired Ambassador Robert Ford, who served as U.S. Ambassador to Algeria from 2006 to 2008 and Syria from 2011 to 2014. Ambassador Ford is currently a senior fellow with the Middle East Institute and teaches at Yale. Ambassador Ford, thank you for joining the crisis next door. Let's first talk about Abdelaziz Bouteflika. He's 82. He's been in power since April of 99 and has been suffering from bad health for several years. He's so sick, he couldn't even announce his own candidacy, yet he's going for a fifth term, which he's pretty much guaranteed to win since free and fair elections are not part of Algeria's political landscape. Before we get to the protests and the protesters, who is in favor of such a sickly leader? So Algeria is not a free and fair democracy the way we Americans understand it. Um, it's very much a controlled system with a democratic facade. And so there is a, a sort of political elite, a small closed circle, um, and I would almost call it a clique. And they control political decision-making, and that is a group of... Uh, generals and retired generals, uh, some political figures, and some key business people who all have links with each other. And they are the ones who decide on who the government's candidate will be in any presidential election. And this clique has decided that Bouteflika, as ill as he is, should run for a fifth term. Now, why not somebody else that might be a bit more vibrant? Is it simply that he's just a puppet who will do whatever they want? There's, there is certainly an element of that. I'm, it's not clear that Bouteflika himself is able to make uh, many decisions, if any. Um, his brother is certainly involved in the affairs of government, not elected. Uh, but I think the biggest reason that they decided to uh, run Bouteflika again, is that there is no consensus within these men who, who run uh, the country. There is no consensus among them as to who should replace Bouteflika. Who could they all trust uh, to take care of uh, their private interests? Would you say the protesters are mainly angered by Bouteflika looking for a fifth term, or is it Algeria's faltering economy that might be more of the catalyst for the demonstrations? So that's a great question. And I think uh, certainly if Algeria was 
an El Dorado, if it was uh, booming economically, I don't think you would see um, hundreds of thousands, if not a million or more, Algerians in the street protesting. Uh, there is a terrible housing shortage, and it's it's so bad that uh, many many young people have to delay getting married until they're in their late 30s and 40s to start families in a in a culture that is very family oriented. Um, unemployment is very high. Wages are very low. Many young Algerians try to escape by boat uh, and cross the Mediterranean to go to Europe, where they hope they'll have better job prospects. So the economy is absolutely a motivating factor. But I think the uh, what really incited people to take to the streets now was uh, the announcement that Bouteflika, as ill as he is, as incapable as he is of even making a speech, uh, that he would run for a fifth term. And I think for um, literally millions of Algerians, that symbolizes uh, a, a government which neither meets their economic demands nor even really respects their intelligence. Staggering youth unemployment. I've seen the figure put close to 30 percent. Are young people making up the bulk of the protesters, or is this pretty much spread across all demographic groups in Algeria? Well, I think the the key engine behind the protest movement uh, are young people, uh, students and other young people. If you look at the photographs of uh, the demonstrations, or if you look at videos of the demonstrations, you'll see a, a big preponderance of young people. Uh, that is not to say that uh, people uh, that are older than the students, uh, people in their 40s and 50s, even older, uh, there are some for sure in the demonstrations. Um, notably in the demonstrations this week have been some veterans of the liberation war against the French uh, colonialization of Algeria. And that war was in the 1950s. And so these uh, Liberation War veterans are themselves now in their late 70s and 80s, and they were in the marches. But uh, absolutely, it's a preponderance of young people. It's worth remembering, of course, that the population pyramid in, Egypt, in Algeria is such that uh, people under 30 make up the majority of the population. And that certainly seems to be a common demographic across North Africa and the Middle East. When we look at these protests, how do these crowds compare to what we saw in Egypt, Syria, Libya, and Tunisia when the Arab Spring exploded in 2010 and 2011? Yeah. So I was in Syria when the uh, Arab Spring started in uh, Damascus and other Syrian cities. Um, I'm not in Algeria, but I'm watching videos and movies of it, and these protests are uh, at least as big, maybe even bigger, than the protests in Syria. Of course, the population of Algeria itself is bigger than the population of Syria. Um, but they're huge demonstrations. These are certainly the biggest demonstrations we have seen in Algeria since uh, 1988, when there was a, a gigantic protest movement against the uh, single-party government of the National Liberation Front. Um, and that was the precursor to a long and bloody civil war in Algeria. And it's notable that the protesters in Algeria now are accenting, are really emphasizing 
that they will stay peaceful. Um, the memory of the Civil War um, is clearly in the back of the minds of many people in Algeria. Ambassador, you served in Algeria during that country's civil war in the 90s. How much of a psychological imprint has that war had on the country 20 years later? So we don't know how many people were killed in that civil war. It was very nasty. Um, Most people, most analysts estimate that it was over 100,000 dead. And it was uh, particularly bloody. There were lots of car bombs. Uh, Some Americans might remember there were stories of... uh, um, armed gangs, never clear how many were government gangs and how many were opposition gangs, going into villages and literally cutting the throats of uh, villagers. Uh, if you weren't for us, then you were against us was the sort of mentality. It was really awful. And uh, the the severity of that, the trauma of that, I think uh, has not, not been forgotten in Algeria. It's not surprising. Um, But at the same time, there is dissatisfaction, as I said before, with the way the government has mismanaged uh, the economy and with the way it doesn't take seriously um, a sophisticated population's desire for things ranging from uh, freedom of expression uh, to freedom of assembly, uh, civil rights that Americans take for granted in many cases are not fully respected. In Algeria, it's not the worst dictatorship in the Arab world by no means, um, but neither is it a free and fair country and a population that you know they watch European television, they watch American television, and they know that people live better in other parts of the world. It's interesting reading the reports from the protesters, many of them saying that they were shocked that they could go out in the streets, speak their minds, and not be arrested. Uh, it, many of them almost seem kind of drunk on this newfound freedom, at least this temporary freedom. Uh, how important is that for galvanizing a movement? That's hugely important. And that's what happened in Egypt in 2011 that led to the uh, overthrow of long-serving Egyptian President Hosni Mubarak. That's what happened in Syria. And, of course, the government there cracked down brutally and triggered a civil war. Uh, That's what happened in uh, places like Tunisia, uh, which has little by little started to build a genuine democracy um, after overthrowing a longtime dictator there uh, in 2011. Um, We don't know how Algeria is going to go. What I'm watching personally right now is whether or not there's much violence, because if there's violence, uh, then things could start to really skid downhill. Um, towards a broader conflict. And that's what I think anyone who likes Algeria uh, would hope the country can avoid. You're listening to The Crisis Next Door. I'm Jason Brooks, and we're talking about the growing protest in Algeria with former U.S. ambassador to Algeria, Robert Ford. Ambassador Ford, what lessons can the Algerians take from these other protests that did devolve into something worse. You were there in Syria when the protests yeah. started out peacefully, and then it quickly went wrong, and here we are still seeing the war drag on several yeah. years so, later. So the most important lesson, by far the most important lesson, is that the protest movement needs to stay peaceful. And uh, the American government, the Obama administration, was pleading with the Syrian 
protesters. I was doing this myself and other U.S. officials from Washington were doing this, um, urging the protest movement to stay peaceful. Uh, I have to say that the Assad government bears full responsibility um, for cracking down so brutally uh, and really doing it in front of everyone, in front of the in front of the world, um, to the point where after about five or six months, the protest movement, for reasons that are easy to understand as humans, um, decided to fight back. <clears throat> Politically, that was a bad mistake. Politically, that was a bad mistake. Um, it's interesting, the Algerian uh, young people, these protesters, um, have one of their slogans, one of their chants on the streets has been, Algeria is not Syria. Uh, we will stay peaceful. Um, it actually rhymes in Arabic. We'll see how it goes. Uh, this, I have to also say, whereas the Bashar al-Assad government reacted with shocking brutality uh, in 2011, the Algerian authorities, the Algerian security forces, have acted with great and admirable restraint. And there has been very little violence. Um, and, and we have to give credit to the Algerian government for that. Bouteflika may be incognito, but a letter published by Algeria State News Agency attributed to him warned of a risk of chaos while urging vigilance against possible infiltration of the protests by domestic and foreign forces. Would he be referring to the various Islamic insurgents that the country fought in the 90s? And could there be foreign forces coming in, such as the Islamic State taking an interest in, in bringing chaos to Algeria? Well, Algeria um, had a, a terrible problem with terrorism during the civil war in the 1990s and um, was still fighting terrorism even when I was there as ambassador from 2006 to 2008, 10 years later. Um, but the terrorism problem in Algeria has not entirely gone away, but has uh, it dramatically improved. The government security forces have had great success, and the uh, Algerian young people are not as keen to uh, be recruited into terrorist groups as I think they were in the 1990s. Real difference there. So I I read that letter that the uh, presidency of Algeria issued as um, kind of a, a plea for people uh, to accept Bouteflika using the same old excuses that Arab governments have used throughout the Arab Spring of if, it, if it's not us, dictatorship though we are, um, it's us or it's chaos. Uh, it's, you know, they, there's no middle ground. Um, and saying that there are foreign forces coming in, uh, that's not at all clear. There are any serious foreign forces going in. And that looks to me like another excuse, another uh, justification for restricting people's civil rights. And I don't think the protest movement is buying it for a moment. Given the ongoing strife in Libya, are there any fears that some of that could find its way into Algeria, in particular the wide array of arms available in Libya? Absolutely. There's instability in Libya, and there's even been terrorist groups operating in southern Tunisia, which borders Algeria. Um, but I don't think these uh, uh, relatively small terrorist bands are in a position to threaten the stability of the Algerian state, to threaten the stability of the Algerian government. The, the Algerian army is pretty good. They're experienced. 
uh, in fighting counterterrorism uh, operations, conducting counterterrorism operations. The stability of the Algerian state is is not at risk. The letter from uh, the presidency that was issued on Sunday uh, looked to me like a, a desperate plea for people to uh, stop protesting in the streets and just accept a fifth term for Bouteflika, even if it's a shortened fifth term. Ambassador Ford, do you think the ruling coalition of the National Liberation Front and the National Democratic Rally will make concessions with the protesters, or will they fear a similar fate as to what happened to Gaddafi and Mubarak and instead fight for survival? Well, that's that really is the $64,000 question, as you mentioned. There are these two long-time ruling parties, which to an extent take orders from that ruling clique that I mentioned at the start of uh, our discussion. Um, they're not political parties in the way we Americans would understand Republicans or Democrats. They don't have that same kind of uh, accountability to the grassroots. Uh, will they go without a violent fight? We will have to see. What is interesting uh, is that some of the organizations which in the past have supported these two uh, ruling parties um, are starting to break away and say no to the idea of a fifth term for ailing President Bouteflika. Notably, uh, the National Veterans Organization, which uh, counts hundreds of thousands of members and uh, is a real uh, mobilizer for these ruling parties to get out the vote and to um, show support for the government. And they have come out now and said this fifth term idea for Bouteflika is a bad idea. And so they're actually breaking away from uh, the consensus among these ruling parties. There have also been some uh, parliamentarians from uh, the National Liberation Front, one of the two parties, uh, that have announced their resignations from the parties, uh, uh, from the party, and have announced their support for the protest movement. And we haven't seen things like that before. These are new, and they suggest that within the ruling clique itself um, and the, the broader governance structure, um, there are some little cracks starting to show that we didn't see um, during protests, say, five or six years ago about housing shortages or joblessness. We didn't see these kind of cracks. It's too early to say where this is going to go. Uh, we just have to keep watching and hoping that there's no violence. And Ambassador, with those cracks forming in the ruling cliques, could this give rise to opposition parties, give them a little bit more of a platform to work with? Well, that's a great question, and we don't know. Uh, the government has, for decades, going back to the Civil War, um, has manipulated opposition parties and offered them little sweeteners here and there so that they, they'll uh, stop criticizing the government, or maybe they give them a minor post in the cabinet uh, without any real authority to get them to stop opposing the government. Um, it's been a, the, the, the clique... And these two ruling parties have totally dominated politics for years. I, I, the opposition parties don't have a big base. They are certainly not in control of this street protest movement that we see now. And I, it's not clear to me how the opposition parties are going to catch up. This was also a real problem in uh, places like Egypt, 
where opposition parties, in a sense, uh, were outflanked by the very street protest movement that brought down uh, longtime Egyptian President Hosni Mubarak. Um, we may see that happen again in Algeria just because the opposition political parties themselves don't have much of a base. And these protests could take all sorts of forms and take much longer for a lifeline. It seems like it's very hard to figure out exactly how to compare them to these other protests. I mean, each country has its own uh, various factors in play in Algeria, obviously different from Syria and from Egypt. Uh, It pretty much seems like we're just in wait and see mode just to get an understanding of where these protests are going to go. So the biggest thing I think that's useful for listeners to understand is that For example, in the Iranian Revolution in 1979, there was a clearly identified opposition leader. His name was Ayatollah uh, Khomeini, long dead, um, replaced by another Ayatollah. But he was the focus of attention in the Iranian opposition against the then ruling uh, Shah of Iran. There was no similar visible leader in Egypt. There was no similar visible leader who could coalesce everybody else behind them in Syria uh, or in Yemen. Um, And we don't have that in Algeria so far either. And so in the absence of a clearly defined opposition leadership, those opposition political parties, as I mentioned, are not leading this, um, in the absence of a leadership, in the absence of a, of a kind of a plan from the opposition on how to do a transition um, after Bouteflika, um, there's really a, a sort of a gap in terms of what will happen next. That gives the ruling clique in Algeria time to figure out a plan itself and present it um, and try to sell it. Um, but it's clear they will have to make some concessions, and I'm it's not clear that they're prepared to make concessions yet. And then even if they do make concessions, um, how do they um, inform the public about those concessions? How do they socialize them? How do they get support for them? Um, so it will be difficult. We certainly hope for a peaceful resolution. Ambassador Ford, thank you very much for joining us on The Crisis Next Door. My pleasure. I enjoyed it. Thank you. We've been joined by retired Ambassador Robert Ford, who served as U.S. Ambassador to Algeria from 2006 to 2008 and Syria from 2011 to 2014. Ambassador Ford is currently a senior fellow with the Middle East Institute and teaches at Yale. Thanks for listening to The Crisis Next Door. I'm Jason Brooks. Till next time. The Crisis Next Door with host Jason Brooks is produced weekly. If you have any thoughts for Jason, email him at tcndpodcast at kcbsradio.com. Again, that's tcndpodcast at kcbsradio.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.